You're listening to the Sound in Faith podcast, coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And our aim is to encourage the saints of our church, Faith Baptist Fellowship, to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. How are you feeling, Pastor Mike? I feel great. Yeah, it's a snowy day here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but it's lovely, I guess. I, I don't <laughs> want to do the... Uh, well, you, oh, you know, when I say beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota, yeah. what do you think I mean by that? Uh, that you like how South Dakota looks? <laughs> <laughs> Sioux Falls? Um, someone asked me about that. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, it's not that Sioux Falls is an ugly town no. by any stretch of the it's imagination. It's a lovely town. It's a lovely town. But, yeah. you know, when you say beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you know, when you think of like a beautiful town, you like the Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah. Or uh, the Rocky Mountains or something like that, you know. Um, but primarily in my heart, you know, it's like we talk about it, faith, we want to love our neighbors, we want to love our communities. We want to love our city. We want to love our city. Yeah. And so, you know, while uh, we look at Sioux Falls, we might not see high-soaring mountains and 300-foot uh, waterfalls. We have our falls. We have yeah, our falls. sure. We still find our community beautiful. Uh, yeah, uh, I totally agree. We just moved here, and we love it. And we love it, and so I have no problem calling it beautiful. It's a it's a lovely town. I love this. I love this city. Yeah, and we're glad you're here. Thanks. We're really glad Appreciate you're here. That. Uh, well, we're going to jump into it today. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, well, a couple of months ago, actually, early on in the podcast, we we kind of started a mini mini series, and it's a series that is split up by weeks because we're not doing these necessarily sequentially week after week, but it's it's really on our gathering. And so uh, back, I can't remember which episode this was, but um, back in the early single-digit episodes, it was there was one on um, why we gather. Right. So the importance of why we gather, we covered our gatherings, and then we talked about what are called the, the elements of our worship, the mm. regulative principle of worship. So we read and preach the Word, we sing the Word, we pray the Word, we see the Word. Yes. Uh, and then back a couple episodes, we did on, one on why do we preach the Word, what mm. does that mean? And uh, today, we're going to be looking at why do we sing the Word? What does it mean to sing the Word? So as pastors who love the Church and want other people to understand and love the Church, uh, this series is just designed to help you understand the Church better. I, yeah. think, that's, I think that's the right way to think about and this. And then in the coming, uh, coming months, we'll revisit this again. We'll do an episode on, you know, why do we pray the Word? Mm-hmm. Why do we sing, uh, see the Word? And, We've got, and the ordinances, what, you yeah. know, see the Word. Yeah. The ordinances Good. in there. What we'll do then, uh, I think at the end of it all, is I'll, I'll put those in a playlist on the YouTube channel. That way they're all together. Nice. Uh, and then you'll be able to easily find them. And all your ecclesiology can be, you know, <laughs> ironed out in, what, four hours? Okay, this this isn't an official question for the podcast. You just said that word ecclesiology. Yeah, uh, I had a listener ask me about that as a side conversation. Define ecclesiology very quickly. Okay, it's not the study of Ecclesiastes. Right, right. Uh, they're different <laughs> words, different, you know. But ecclesiology is the study of the church, the study of the gathering, the ecclesia, the you know the the gathered assembly of church, or, mm-hmm. or the, the 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 church itself, the the bride of Christ. Uh, so yeah, when, whenever we say ecclesiology, we mean the study or the theology. Better to say it because it's not just studying it; it's also understanding all about it. Um, yeah, uh, the uh, the church, uh, the bride of Christ, which is super super important for Christians to uh, to have a good ecclesiology. And and one of the reasons why Christians often stay weak Christians 
uh, is because of a poor ecclesiology, mm-hmm. like a low view of the church and not understanding the church and, and its place in your life as a Christian. And so, you know, as a pastor, obviously, one of, the, one of my ambitions in life is to help people understand better the bride of Christ. Right, you know? yeah. And, and Scripture has a lot to say about yes. how the church gathers, how the church functions, mm-hmm. all of those things. And so we want to be guided by Scripture. Some, you know, our our ecclesiology here at Faith, we're Baptist. Yes. Uh, and so there's so much that could be said about that. But you know, one of the things is we're congregational. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of our ecclesiology is we're also elder led. Uh, and and you know, just every everything we do yeah. is is based upon we seek to be based upon Scripture. Yeah, those aspects of our ecclesiology are often what we think of first, like our polity. But mm-hmm. there's lots of different areas. Like even what we're talking about today is right, straight exactly. up ecclesiology. Like what do we do when we gather? That's, yeah, you know, that's that's ecclesiology too. And that that's what what brings us to our subject today is talking about what we do. Why do we do what yep. we do Amen. when we gather? Uh, so just again, I mentioned this at the beginning, we, we've got our elements of corporate worship, uh, preaching, reading the Word, uh, so the declaring of the Word when we gather, singing the Word, which we're talking about today, and then later we'll talk about praying the Word and uh, seeing the Word in right. the ordinances. The, these are what we call the... the, um, the Regulative <laughs> principle. Me. So why do they? Why do we call yeah. it the regulative principle? Because Let's we real believe talk about Scripture that. regulates okay. what we do. So yes. th- these are things that we believe the Bible teaches us to do in gathered worship. Right. Yes. Right. And so sorry about my principle. my blank, mind blank there. I had so, there for a second. So what's like those who don't subscribe to the regulative principle? What, what would that look like? Well, that's actually something. Whether or not they know that they subscribe to it, it's called the the normative, normative principle of yeah. worship. Meaning that you can do anything in worship unless Scripture forbids it. Right. So, so one's uh, a positive side of it, like the, if, yeah. if the Scriptures teach it, we should do it, and the other is a negative side. If the Scriptures don't teach it uh, or don't forbid it, you you may do it. Right. Yeah. And and some have seen the regulative principle of worship as overly restrictive at times, and what they don't realize is, it, it, while it can be taken to I think a rigid extreme. Sure. Uh, it allows for a lot of flexibility because you have the elements, the core elements that I just mentioned in worship, but then there are forms and circumstances of worship which can look different in different yeah. churches. Right. Uh, so an example of a form is, you know, we we uh, we we sing our words off of a screen. We sit in chairs as opposed to pews. We have a variety of instruments. Uh, piano, guitar, bass, all those things like that. Um, so those are forms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I were to go over to Scotland and go visit on the Lord's Day a free church of Scotland, they would be singing nothing but metrical psalms unaccompanied. And that is completely biblical. Mm. They, you know, that that is well within the regulative principle of worship. Uh, and, and and I believe what we do here at Faith is well within the regulative principle Amen. of worship. Good job. Yeah. 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 Well said, I mean. So what are the... So we did that brief recap. So uh, is singing in corporate worship something Scripture instructs us to do? Yeah. Do we have to sing when we gather? We do. Uh, it is It is part of uh, what we see not only demonstrated in God's Word when God's people gather, uh, but it's something that Scripture actually exhorts us to do. So, I mean, you go back through the Old Testament... 
And, you know, the people of God, when they gathered, they sang. And that's what the Psalter is. That's what the Psalms are. It's the it's the ancient hymn book that God's people used in worship, and they, they sang songs together. Uh, and then when we get together, uh, when we see in the New Testament the, the people of God coming together, we have, you know, exhortations like what we see uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse, starting at verse 18, it says, "'Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms mm-hmm. and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart.'" Um, similar verses is reflected in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 16. Again, that language of psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, addressing and uh, teaching and admonishing one another. So it is something that is part of what we as the people of God do. Amen. Do you think this is why people have the ability to sing? Do you think God created people with the ability to sing so that we might worship Him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I mean. I think all things are created for the glory of God, mm. but if you think about the rich gift that music is, mm. um, and and I don't know, I, I don't know if I've ever met a person who doesn't like music, who mm-hmm. just, I hate music. Uh, even if they're not necessarily a musical person, maybe they can't play an instrument or mm. carry a pitch, um, carry a tune, they, they still enjoy music mm. in some variety of it. And so I think it, we were given that gift and ability in our world to sing praise to God. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well said. So what types of songs sh- should we sing? I mean, there in Colossians, it mentioned a few types. Yeah, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Mm. And um, may- maybe you can comment on some of this too. I know there's been debates by theologians over the years. There's many theologians in, in antiquity that I greatly admire that argue that we should only ever sing the, the Psalms. And uh, I, I would not take that position. I do, I do think the language of Scripture there is using three different words for a reason. Uh, I do think within the Psalter itself, we find a variety of, of types of songs. But what what is most important is that we are singing that which is scripturally true, mm. which is based upon the Bible itself. And so in some cases, um, we might sing a song that is a metrical setting of the Psalms uh, and, and is based upon the Psalms itself. John Calvin did that in his early worship in, in Geneva. He took the Psalms uh, had them set to music so that they could be sung by the people. Um, but we also see, you know, other types of expressions of singing where truth is being sung. Oh, absolutely. Uh, set to music. Yeah. I, I, and I don't see anything in Scripture or really in a significant way in church history uh, to to think that we should be limited to the Psalter only, you know, you know as far yeah. as what we do. Like, uh, there's evidence, it seems to me, uh, like there's there's some passages in the scriptures uh, like um, like Philippians two that was quite likely a hymn the first part of that you know that yeah. was sang in the early church not part of the psalter you know the yeah. scriptural yeah. part of the psalter but but something that was being and it, and it and it seems to me that Paul incorporated that hymn that 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 probably everybody could re- remember the tune to uh, as he talked about the humility of Christ and and the exaltation of Christ there in the first part of Philippians 2 do you know you know yeah I know exactly what you're talking so about we yeah. call that the hymn you know yeah. and, and there's lots of there's lots of those kinds of occasions which makes me think the early church was developing songs I, I agree to sing yeah. and to worship God and the church has throughout history done that 
and done that pretty well. We have a rich history. We do of of of, of wonderful praise worship hymns uh, to sing. Yeah, and you know it's one of the things too. Uh, there, there's a myriad of good quotes out there that all point to the just just God's wisdom in creating music to give us a way to memorize truth in a way that we don't always do with just a paragraph of text. Hmm. Um, songs stick in our hearts. You know, I mean, I, I hear my kids running around. I my, my daughter, Lily, you know, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Hmm. She's like running around the house singing, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Awesome. You know, uh, our kids, uh, you know, we sing a song here not too long ago by City of Light that incorporates the, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's oh, nothing fun. like God. Yeah, and, you know, I hear my kids yeah. Run around singing that. That's awesome. Yeah. So it sticks in our hearts. It sticks in our minds. Yeah. And it's um, uh, just just in God's wisdom in creating music to give us that way to memorize truth about Him. So we we, we have this, you and I uh, have this thing that we say as we're thinking about the worship, and, and Pastor Dave Wilhauer, we, when we talk about how we um, how the worship should be mm-hmm. as, as we're thinking through this and praying through this, and we say seriously, joyful, and joyfully serious. And mm-hmm. it's actually incorporated in our philosophy of worship. Yeah. Uh, that the elders have, you know, uh, approved. You know that. So we are seriously joyful and joyfully serious. How does that affect that 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 sense of being joyfully serious and seriously joyful affect the way we uh, the the songs that we choose? You know, I I, I think it defines. I mean, there's so much when we choose the songs. When I choose the songs that we choose, and we talk about those in our worship planning meeting on Wednesdays. Uh, the you know. Music, you, you take into consideration, first and foremost, the text. Mm. Uh, and and it is what we are singing biblically true? And that's what we mean, you know, just looking at our next question here that we wanted to get into. When we talk about singing the Word, mm. we're not necessarily saying every single song has to be a direct quote from Scripture. Right. We're singing summaries of things that are true. Right that we could point to every line of our text and say, this is where this can be found in Scripture, this is, this is what is true. So first and foremost, that it's true, such that when we stand up and sing on Sunday, we can all be confident as we're singing this that we are teaching and admonishing one another, as the Scriptures say, uh, that what we are testifying to is true. Mm. So that's, that's that aspect of being, you know, one of those aspects of being seriously joyful and joyfully serious. We are rejoicing in the truth of God's word, and we are taking His word very seriously. Mm. We're not we're not diddling around with with you know heresies or anything like that. We want to be we want to be spot on right. with what we sing and clear, right? And clear. Uh, yeah. A few years ago, there's a song I won't name it just because I have before, and um, you know I. I it's a song that many people have been encouraged by. I know exactly which song sure, you're talking about. Sure, sure. Yeah. And there's been there's been actually several occurrences of this kind of thing uh, in, in recent years. Uh, but this particular um, song, uh, it, you, you could explain it in, in, in a way that would be scriptural. Mm-hmm. But on first glance, just at face value, the words did not seem clear to me uh, to be scriptural. They, they seem to portray God in a way that I don't think the Bible does. Yeah. And so... We, I was, I was pastoring a church in, in in Western Nebraska. We decided we wouldn't we wouldn't sing this song. We wouldn't incorporate it because of its unclarity. And it it was uh, like how important to you is clarity? I I think clarity is essential uh, in our in our corporate worship, hmm. um, and I think it's essential all the time. But I think there is a distinction between. Uh, 
Christian songs or songs sung by Christians that are beautiful, God-honoring pieces of art, Mm. okay, and corporate singing. Okay, Mm. I'll give you an example, and this is a positive example. I love the music of Andrew Peterson. I do too. Okay, we we sing uh, his song, Is He Worthy, here. But if if you notice on a Sunday, that is the only song of Andrew Peterson that we sing corporately. Hmm. And the reason being is because Andrew Peterson overwhelmingly does not write for corporate gathered singing. And he admits that. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong no, with that. No. He writes beautiful God-honoring songs that are fun to listen to and, and enjoy and your heart can rejoice in the truth, but their singability, uh, predictability of melody, um, range, all of those things like that, they're not necessarily easy for a congregation to sing. Mm. So I don't, we don't sing them here, not because there's necessarily anything wrong with them, it's just because they, they don't necessarily, they wouldn't be necessarily edifying to the body. Right. And uh, so the other aspect of that seriously joyful, joyfully serious is... We, we want to be declaring truth. We also want to be doing it in a way that is corporately inclusive yes. uh, to the body. And I don't think that means we never can challenge ourselves uh, w- with a new melody right. or, or something like that, but it's got to be something that's singable to our people uh, that we take into consideration what, what is the range of people's voices, uh, how easy is this melody to follow, um, you know, the, uh, all of those things like that. So, like, not to not to just let this conversation go anywhere. You know, we, we do have an outline, but yeah. Um, but so, to you, the congregation singing is important. The, to me, the congregation singing is the most essential way. Uh, the the most essential form of music we should have in our corporate worship on Sundays. That mm. should be the overwhelming steady diet of our gathered worship. So let me just press into that. Yeah. So if if the worship leaders mm-hmm. who were who were who were and the you know the musicians and the singers and the the, the pianists and, and I'm the glad guitarist, you didn't say the worship team. Yeah, I know you I have, have a bone to pick about yeah, that. You, anyway, you, you don't like that term, but <laughs> I, I don't have a, a, as big of a bone. But, I, know, I know, I know. But uh if they were excellent, you know, just just fantastic mm-hmm. and uh, super high quality, uh, and the congregation was not singing, would that be a tragedy? It would be an absolute, it would be a catastrophe. Mm. In my opinion, um, I wear uh, earbuds on Sunday morning. Uh, you'll see me up there. And yeah, what can you hear through those? I've always okay, wondered. Okay, so yeah, I, I'll musician, explain that, because it is a monitor, and so what I do is I, I can hear my own voice very clearly so that I know I'm singing on pitch. Mm. I don't want to aim for mediocrity. Right. I do want to aim for excellence. I want to sing on pitch. And I don't always. Sometimes I crack a note. Hmm. Um, I want to make sure my guitar is in tune. Hmm. Um, I like to primarily uh, hear Susie hmm. uh, so that I blend well with the piano because the guitar and the piano are, are kind of the, 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 the two f- bass instruments there. Uh, or foundational instruments, and I have a little bit of mix of some of the other instruments. But you know, another thing that I have prominent in my ear, if you'll notice, on the front of our stage, we have two microphones that face out towards the congregation. Mm-hmm. They're at the at the foot, the the right and the left hand side, uh, just kind of sitting at the top of the steps. 
I I have the congregation mixed into that mm. so that I can hear everyone singing. That's so cool. <laughs> and, and to me, ultimately, that is the most important thing that I want mixed in my ear. I want to hear people singing. Yeah. Brother, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I love about faith is that the congregation sings. Yeah. Like when when it, uh, there's there, there's on occasion I'll hear you say voices only, and your instrumentalists will all stop, and and we'll just hear the church. And uh, but but even even when everyone's playing, you you can you can you can tell that the congregation is singing. Yeah. And you know it's not the acoustics of the building that's doing that. You know, like the people are. I mean, the acoustics are good, but the people are singing. So yeah. praise the Lord for that. That's yeah. that's a really good way the Lord is using your leadership in that area. Well, thank you. Yeah. And uh it's a joy for me to um to hear our people sing. I mean, that is that is the thing that thrills my heart. What are a, a couple of things that you do? I'm mean, just to be a help to other churches yeah. and stuff, you know, that might be tuning in. What what are some things that you do to try to promote congregational singing so that the congregation is with you? I mean, is, is it part of your song choice? Is it part of your the way that you lead? I think it's a it's a mix of everything. Again, anytime I and so I'll I'll mention some technical things here uh, for anybody who's listening who who's up on music theory and stuff like that. Um, I try to keep the range between A below middle C and uh, D an octave above middle C. Hmm. That that's the typical range. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, that's exactly. Awesome. But yeah, if you're a musical great. person, yeah. you know what that means. And the reason being is you get below that, you get too low. Hmm. You get above that, you get too high. Every now and then. I think there's a call for going just a tad bit higher. Mm. And, you know, like when we modulate to the key of uh, E on In Christ Alone, you know, you're reaching a high E when you sing that. The wrath of God, was, you know, but I think the moment calls for it. Mm. That's such a glorious last mm. verse. Okay, so there's exceptions to that, but, but keep it singable. Um, and then also just trying to be clear. Uh, one thing that I've gleaned from um, Sovereign Grace's Bob Coughlin over the years, and I went to a worship uh, leader seminar with him a number of years ago. And, um, you know, keeping the transitions, keeping the interludes between the verses short and clear. Mm. You know, when you when you kind of drag something on and on and on, <laughs> you know, nobody knows when they're supposed to come back in again. And uh, I say all that to... Uh, so some, there's technical things that you do to keep singability, thing. or uh, to keep the congregation with you. Yeah, keep the congregation with us, and... Uh, what about song choice? Song choice like is... Like, no ability, like the, the the familiarity of the congregation to those songs. Yeah. Um, I try... Uh, th- this might be a question that is just burning on people's brains right here. <laughs> you know, we, we have a multi-generational church. Yes. And, and what that means is, and I've, I've explained this to people, you know, um, there are some who like just the old hymns. Mm. There are some that like the new stuff. And what's interesting is, is when you, if you were to poll our congregation as to what is considered new stuff and what is considered mm. old stuff, you would get a variety of opinions. There are some people in our congregation for whom In Christ Alone Wasn't is... Wasn't that in the 1800s written? Yeah. Well, is a new song. <laughs> yeah. But there are some people that would consider that an old hymn. It was like 2010. I know. Right? Some, well, 2000. 2000. 2002. Okay. Is when it wow. So over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, you you know, for um, for some demo, a, a, a demographic in our congregation... In Christ Alone is now like an, an old hymn. Yeah, it was nostalgic when we sang it last week. Right. <laughs> kind of. So Not really, but... I, I try to take into consideration 
the generations, mm. um, the, the, the truth being expressed. I, I love it when I can look at our song list and say, the song's choices here maybe reflect a heritage of three to 400 years. Mm. The, you know, something old, something new, not, you know, nothing borrowed, nothing blue, but you get, you get a, you get a spread That's of awesome. songs. Yeah. Good stuff. Good words. And so try that, to make them connect with the sermon, too. We work on that. I try to make it tie into the theme of what you're preaching on. A lot to think possible. about as you're working through this. A lot yeah. to pray about and seek the Lord about as you're, as you're crafting these, these uh, worship times together. Yeah. So why do we sing the way that we do? So like standing, words on the screen. Why are, why are the musicians... So this is a question I, I bet, especially for our faith family, would love to hear... Why, why are the musicians on the stage now? You've been listening to the Sound and Faith podcast. Coming in. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I'm actually going to talk about this more in depth at our, at annual, our annual gathering, uh, our annual celebration coming up on Sunday the 28th. So if you can be there for that, uh, I'll give a more thorough explanation. Um, first of all, there was, there was a necessary change. We have found ourselves, especially in our early service, needing more space. Right. Um, having the musicians on the stage is not necessarily unprecedented at faith. It's happened before in the past for long stretches. Uh, and so it was a practical need that was seen um, to so add... So the, the stage left section of, yeah. of seats, you know, was added, and, and now we have a little bit more room for our first service. We do, and it's been utilized already, yeah. um, especially in our first service. Uh, there was an aspect, too, and we wrestled with this for a while, that as uh, the pastor who leads predominantly in our corporate worship when we sing, um, there is a ministry of the Word going on. Um, when, you, when you preach, uh, you minister the Word from the pulpit. When uh, our elders get up and pray, they minister the Word in that way from the pulpit, from the front. And, and so there's a lot of our gathered worship where we sing, where we're, we're reading the Word together, we're confessing things together, I, I might make an exhortation between songs, um, and so ministering in a way where I can see the faces of the people I think is important. I want to say more, maybe even more important is for them to be able to see you. There, there's an inclination to turn to the speaker and, mm-hmm. and look at the speaker as they're speaking, you know, and it's difficult uh, in a, in a con- like in a in an auditorium the size of our sanctuary, it's difficult when you guys were to, to see you if, yeah. you're, if you're all the way on the other side, whereas now it's a little bit easier to see. Yeah, And I, I think to guard against any kind of sense of uh, we're trying to draw attention to ourselves, here's the thing that has encouraged me, that on Sunday mornings when people are singing, I either see them with their eyes closed or looking up at the screens. Mm. I, I don't think we're the center of attention. I think the culture of how we sing here at Faith has become so, in, you know, our DNA is so grounded <laughs> yes. uh, in Christ-centeredness that I don't think anybody's looking up uh, at, at us necessarily as trying to be showy up I, there. And yet, you, I think we will continue to do our very best to keep the attention where it belongs. Right. And you know, just, just to compare this, we do this with other parts of our service too. Uh, when I stand to preach, I stand in front of everyone, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm, I'm there, the, the pulpit is pretty much the center, uh, you know, where everybody could see and all of that. 
yet I don't want to make that about me. Yeah. You know, I don't want to make that about my oratory abilities or my, you, you know, like any of those things. I want to make it about Christ and the Word of God, and I want people to, you know, and I think that same goes for the worship leaders as they as they as they as they lead worship they want to make it all about Christ yeah, yeah. Uh, even though they're there in front and that's that's um, that's now been codified in our philosophy of corporate worship and we're going to cover that at the um, the annual celebration I'm going to talk about that uh, how critical that is that we now have a kind of a, a foundational document which we can always look to and say no this is this is who we are this yeah. is going to guide what we do in our corporate worship I wonder if you could drop that with with this podcast yeah well okay. it's actually on our website okay. and uh I'd, I'd have to ah, sure. you know That's it's okay. it is on our website it's it's actually if you what's go it called to, the philosoph- philosophy of worship the philosophy of corporate worship and guiding principles okay. let me um let me pull it up here on my phone right now so um hang on learn um uh Hang on, Con- connect. Um, I think I have it under. Are you posting on social media right now? I'm not posting on social media right now. <laughs> I'm trying to. Trying I'm trying to right. remember where I put put this. It's on our website. Uh, I'll uh, they I'll, can, they I'll can put it out there. Yeah, they can put it out there. Yeah. But it'll it will be it will be prominently available uh, at the annual celebration too. Okay, so you mentioned that you you don't like the term worship team. Yes. Uh, spend a moment telling us why. <laughs> I. I like to think of the whole congregation as the worship team. I've said that before sure. in our corporate yep. gatherings. When we come together, because I never want there to be, and and you know what? At the end of the day, if someone says that, I'm not going to flip out about it. Okay, but I just I, I emphasize it more as a I just want our mindset to be that when we come together, those of us who are leading musicians. We're not the professional worshipers. Hmm. We are all doing this together. Amen. We're helping lead it, you know, uh, guitar, bass, piano, drums, vocalist, all of that. But we are not just the team. You're all on the worship team this morning. Join us as we sing, and let's worship our God together. Awesome. What a, what a, what a helpful um, way to go about explaining all of those aspects of our worship at... Um, at faith. Now, one one last thing, um, you know, we typically. I'm not a big terminology guy. Like, I'm not super concerned about terminology per se. But we we often call that the worship time. You know, mm. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just it, like in our in yeah. our in our common vernacular, without giving it some mindfulness and thoughtfulness to it. Uh, why is that not the most accurate way to describe and, and maybe help us with some terminology that? That we can use, yeah. the The singing part at the beginning of the service and wherever else it falls is not just the worship time. Mm. All of it is the worship time. When we come the together, gathering is the, the worship. The time. gathering is the worship time. Uh, when we read the call to worship, we're worshiping. When mm. we sing, we're worshiping. When we pray, we're worshiping. When we when we are listening to preaching, we, we are, are worshiping. Yeah. Uh, when we see the ordinances, we are worshiping. When we greet one another. We are worshiping, so all of that gathering is the worship time. Um, yeah, I I also shy away from wi- just calling that portion portion of the service the praise and worship time, right? Because it all is. So yeah. help us with some terminology so that we're not <laughs> awkwardly stumbling about. Um, I I I think using those terms of the regulative principle 
are helpful. The time when we sing the word. The time when we sing the word. Yeah. Okay. The time when we pray the word, the time when we see the word, the time when we preach the word. I, I think those terms are, are good terms to follow. And uh, so a lot of times you'll hear me say the singing portion of our worship or the time when we'll be singing in our worship. Hey, it might it might take a few more words to say, but I think being clear is is important. Sure. And the only reason we care about terminology, and it's 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 not one of those things where, you know, terminology is king. You know, it's not. Yeah. You know, it's not. But it, it's helpful, especially as teaching moments when we think about that. Like, it's helpful to realize that it's you know when we sing, that's not the only time on a Sunday morning that we are worshiping. Yeah. So. yeah. Amen. Well, good stuff. Um, th- thanks. I know I felt like I did all the talking today, Pastor Mike. Um, so you are. <laughs> You do lead us in worship every Sunday, so I'm. I, I wouldn't know the the range of of uh, you know singability yeah. notes. I don't even know how to say that right. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, I understood what you meant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I felt like it's just as I know. I felt like when I was learning Russian, I would say things very awkwardly, and yeah. people would look at me and is like, "I said, does that make sense?" And they'd be like. We know what you meant. Yeah, so, <laughs> like all right, gracious. Yeah. So, oh, we have some that. listener questions. We do have some listener questions, and um, there we go. Very glad for these today. Yeah. Um, so Anna Flowers, she sends us this question. She says, "Do you believe that the leper in Mark one forty through forty five, or the healing of that leper, uh, messed with the timeline that Jesus had planned?" For being here on Earth, and and Mike, you looked at this up, and maybe give some context and explain that a little bit. Sure, yeah, it's a good question, and I appreciate that. Um, so this is one of the instances where Jesus told somebody not to broadcast his their healing, like Jesus's work in their life and the way that he's healed them, and he did that uh, on purpose um, so that he can continue to minister openly, uh, knowing mm-hmm. that those kind of miracles would. Um, uh, it, it, it would inevitably bring the people uh, to him and and hamper his movements, and so this particular leper didn't do that. God, uh, Jesus healed this leper of their leprosy, and and, he, and and Jesus instructed him not to go and tell everyone, uh, but he did. He went and told everyone, and then and then um, the, the crowd's response was such that Jesus could not openly mm-hmm. minister there any longer. Uh, did it mess with his timeline? No, you know, like. Uh, there's a lot of mystery to all of these things, but God is sovereign over all of that, and He knew exactly what was going to happen, and uh, none of this took Him by surprise, or mm. He didn't go to Plan B. Yeah, you know, that's none of that happened. <laughs> it would have been better had the leper obeyed. You know, it's always better to obey. You know, uh, I guess the leper was just so excited, and I, you know, I kind of, I kind of can understand. You know, I mean, yeah, you've, yeah. You've, you've you've had this dreaded disease, and now you're clean. You know, and I'd, I'd want to tell everyone. You know, and uh, God and His purposes. Um, use that. Uh, so it didn't, didn't mess up the timeline at all. Uh, uh, he, Jesus did precisely uh, what needed to be done at precisely the right time always, and, mm. and that's, that's, that's how that works with God and His providence. Yeah, good word there. Uh, we have uh, one more question here yeah, from... Let me pop that your way. This is from Elijah Myers, yeah. and he says, what is the significance of Jesus raising on the third day rather than the first, second, fourth so on. Good question, Elijah. Yeah, good question. Um, well, I, I think there's a myriad of reasons. Ultimately, I think the Lord's reasons, you know, he's got his reasons for doing those things. But, you know, there was one sense in which it parallels um, the typology that we see with Jonah being three days in the belly of the whale, or the belly of the fish, excuse me. I grew up with whale, so sorry about that. That's biblically inaccurate. Um, 
but uh, so Jesus, you know, talks about that. And he says, as the as the as Jonah was three days, three nights in the belly of the the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days, three nights <coughs> in the grave. Um, and so uh, I think that's one aspect of it. But two, and you mentioned this that there's a significance to him rising on the first day, um, and and it showed that Jesus was was really dead for three days. He was he was truly dead, and he rose on the first day of the week, and it's the, now the beginning of our week. We begin our week with a celebration of, the Je- of Jesus' resurrection. And you, there's probably a lot to Passover, Sabbath, those those senses that yeah. were, you know, um, but yes, the, I think that's why the three days is the th- are the three days. Yeah. You know, those reasons. Good question, yeah. though. Good question. Well, Pastor Mike, anything else you want to add to this conversation today? Well, I, you know, I think if anyone's wondering how we do worship at faith, you know what they ought to do? They ought to come. They should this, come. This Sunday. Come and join us here at faith. 8.30 and 11. 8.30 and 11 o'clock. And, uh, you know, we, I know we only had one service this past Sunday, but it was a great service. It was good. It was such a wonderful because service. Because of the blizzard, we, we yeah. reduced our services. Yeah, and I want to encourage you to, if you do have a question, you can go to faithsf.com slash soundinfaith hmm. or on our app our Faith Baptist Fellowship app under the podcast uh, menu item at the bottom. You can click there and also submit a question to the podcast. We'd love to answer it on a future episode. It's been a good day today, Pastor Mike. Enjoyed it. Yes. Want to say everyone out there, stay warm, be careful, and Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday.